Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company. I have a special guest in the studio here at Morissette. Her name is Rachel Lowe. Rachel, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. Now, what are you doing here in New South Wales? So at the moment, I recently joined a church planting team over on the Central Coast. So we do door-to-door work, literature evangelism, Bible studies and community programs, all in the aim of building up a group of believers in the entrance and starting a church. Fantastic. Okay, that's a, a very noble work. And we've had a few team members who are part of the church plant uh, also come and share their testimony. So I'm delighted to have you here to tell your story. Now, you're not from this part of the world. Where are you from? So I'm originally from Esperance, WA. Uh, grew up there for most of my childhood okay. and spent some time over in Caratha, which is 17 hours north of Perth. Um, so right where it's hot and humid and down where it's nice and cold and everywhere in between. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I've not been to Caratha and I've not been to Esperance. Uh, I know that Esperance is a beautiful place. Is it quite green? Uh, yes, green. Yeah, okay. and beautiful beaches. Oh, okay. White sand. Lovely. Okay, but you've left that and you're now here in, in New South Wales to help with the church plant. Yes. Okay, so you were born in, in WA? Yeah, born in Bunbury. Yeah, just a few hours below Perth. Bunbury, I know, because we have some relatives that live just south of Bunbury and they attend the church there in Bunbury. Okay. And the family that you were born into, uh, Christian family? Yes, Seventh-day Adventists, yeah. Right, okay, so you were brought up uh, with Christian influences, with Bible mm-hmm. readings and yep. Bible studies. Definitely. So um, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. So, yeah, so I was um, born into a Seventh-day Adventist family. Um, both of my grandparents had actually previously been, one was an atheist and the other set was a uh, Lutherans. So okay. they had both, you know, converted to Seventh-day Adventism and Christianity and, and everything like that. So, yeah, it's... Third generation? Your third generation Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And the family you were born into, uh, how many children? I have seven siblings. Okay, so you're a good-sized family. Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah, one of eight and I'm the second. Okay, you're number two. Yeah. Great. And what was it like growing up in a family where a lot of siblings were being added to the, uh, to the family? Well, yeah. Um, Definitely learnt a lot about children and how they work and like bring them up because the youngest at the moment are three and they're twins. So oh, pretty much, yeah, twins. yeah, helped raise them and everything. So definitely developed my character. No doubt, yeah, because I understand that parenting does develop the character of people. And of course, if you're the older sister mm-hmm. and you've got to look after the younger ones, of course, you will develop that at an early age. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's a wonderful influence to, to help raise little children. Um, so the influences you were brought up with, were you exposed to many um, secular or worldly influences? Um, so 
we had a pretty, I reckon, a pretty easygoing childhood. We were farmers, so, um, yeah, my mum was a nurse, um, dad was a farmer, and, uh, yeah, we lived on a property and kind of just roamed around as kids and, and pretty carefree okay. to a certain extent. But, mm-hmm. yeah, my my um, biological dad wasn't the best influence, so that that was a bit more of a... A Christian that wasn't necessarily practicing Christianity. Okay, understand. yeah. So you know, Seventh Adventist went to church, but didn't practice his faith. Mm. But my mum was such a Bible believing Christian. She really has been there all through my life. So she's been like really supportive, and yeah, she practiced it. Okay, well, so did you guys go to church uh, on a regular basis? Yeah, every week. Every week. Yeah. And how close was your property to the church in the town? Uh, 15 minutes away. Okay, so close. Yeah. It was quite quite handy, really. Yeah, yeah, it was. Two minutes mm-hmm. from the beach. And you would normally better. go as a family? Yeah, yeah, we would normally. Um, although, yeah, my dad wasn't too keen about that. And often he would stay home. And, and because I was, like, you know, daddy's favorite girl, I would, <laughs> yeah, I would also, um, you know, because I wanted to please him and, and, you know, I loved my dad, I would often stay home as well and, you know, do what he did and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, so I think it was like that influence was probably not the best. But Right, yeah. okay. So uh, you're growing up with this influence. When you started uh, school, hmm. um, what are the influences like at school? Well, I went to Espen's Christian Primary School, and I must say that's one of the best schools I've been to. Wow. Yeah, it was just such a loving, caring environment. The teachers were just – you really knew they cared about you hmm. and they valued your – your Christian walk and your education. Wow, yeah. what a what a nice uh, thing to hear about uh, Christian schools and, and people caring about you. Because I think the important thing is, you know, people don't care so much about how much you know; they don't want to know how much you care. Mm. And that's true. And uh, often it's important that you win the hearts of the people before we try and win their minds. And mm. I think the gospel works the same way. Jesus is a prime example of that, of course. Um, he won the hearts of the people as well. He broke down prejudice. They knew that he was interested in their well-being. He healed many. And after he'd won their confidence, he said, come and follow me. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Wow. Okay, so uh, you attend school. Did you ever do any homeschooling at all? Yeah, um, actually we did, yeah. So we um, moved to Perth for a few years when I was around five. And then we came back and, and did some homeschooling in that time period mm. um which i absolutely loved because we would finish school around 10 in the morning yeah we'd stay in our pajamas finish school around 10 and then like that we'd just be outside all afternoon and yeah mum would you know be she would cook us lunch and then she would bring it to us outside we just loved it oh what a great life to grow up in as a kid and that's from about the age of five or so uh wasn't? yeah f- uh seven seven, seven. or so okay. yeah so that was for about a year. And then we really, really wanted to go back to school because we're missing friends and, sure. and, and that. And we went back to school, but I definitely missed homeschooling. Right. Yeah. So you got the best of both worlds. You got the social interaction at the school. Esperance Christian Primary School, yes. Esperance Christian Primary School. Okay. As far as uh, your uh, walk with the Lord is concerned, uh, were there any influences that would distract you or what was the predominant influence growing up? I would definitely have to say that it was my dad was the influence that was very it was pulling negatively at my walk with God hmm. um, and you you had a wonderful relationship with your father um, no not really no um, yeah there was a bit of you know issues with um, the family 
dynamics and everything like that. Okay. Um, yeah, so things like when it came to family worships, my mum wanted us to read and everything. He wouldn't really engage and everything. And it was just like that, that influence that because you, you value both parents. So you wonder, you do. do you... Do you follow your mum's example or do you follow your dad's example? Mm. So I found myself often caving into my dad's example and I would definitely follow what he did a lot more, which was, yeah, for me, which was normal, I guess. Sure, I understand. Yeah. yeah. And reflecting it now, of course, you can see things a little bit differently. Exactly. But at the time, that yeah. was just life and that's what you did and you yeah. loved your dad and he loved you. and Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so when did the tide start turning for you or was there some other negative influences that affected yes, your life? Yes, there was. Yeah, definitely. So I, um, um, when I was in year six, mum gave me the option to go to boarding school. So, um, yeah, we we really, really were excited to go to Carmel Adventist College. Okay. That's so that was a few hours away. Yeah, so that's sort of uh, outskirts of Perth. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, just in the Perth Hills. So... Hmm. Um, we were like, yes, this is amazing. And, and I had the opportunity of either homeschooling for high school years or boarding school because there was no, well, yeah, mum wasn't too keen on, you know, the Catholic versus public schools in Esperance. That's all they had for high school. So I decided I want to go to boarding school because I was at that age where I was like, you know, go away family. Oh, <laughs> and <okay>. like, <laughs> So what age yeah. is that? Uh, I was around 12. Oh, 12 already. Okay, yeah. so uh, dear parents, be aware when your child turns 12, they must start feeling a bit more independent. <laughs> well, that's a young age to feel independent. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. Oh, okay. So you go to um, you go to the boarding school. How do you find things there? Um, not good. Um, the, no, the, okay. the school itself wasn't bad. It was the, I think it was the influence of my peers and the fact that I was so far away from home. So mm. I went to a boarding school and predominantly the amount of the, other boarding people um, that were staying there were predominantly the indigenous from the community, yes. and I really didn't know how to connect um, with them. Okay, so you, you weren't familiar with their cultural. I wasn't no uh, the, the way they kind of live life and everything. It was mm. yeah, I just found it really different. And I was you know in a room, um, sharing a room with someone, but I just everyone was so much older than me as well because I was only in year seven and everyone else was in like year nine, 10 or 11. Oh, okay, so you had these mm. older influence. And then of course, uh, nowadays, you know, you're a mature adult, uh, two years doesn't make much of a difference, but when you're growing up at that age, it's obviously a significant difference. Between, yeah, it does. Yeah. And um, yeah, media as well, definitely. So I got a phone and I got, you know, sucked into the whole media thing. And, and I really you're wanted- social media? Yeah, social media, mm. yeah. So I really wanted to just be one of the, People. people to fit yeah. in, yeah. You want to fit in exactly. with your peer group. Everybody wants acceptance and be a sense of belonging. Yeah, mm, that's, yeah that's definitely. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I ended up, um, yeah, just really struggling with the whole – because the way I was brought up, like, we, we op-shopped. Like, we didn't buy new clothes. I got oh. all hand-me-downs and everything. Mm. So when I came to this uh, school, everyone had, like, you know, the latest, you know, the brands and oh. all, all of that. So I found it, oh, you know – my clothing isn't up to standards, my social media, my my social manners, because I was brought up on a farm, so it's like just, you know, we didn't really know social stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Like yeah, the sure. general social manners and everything like that. Mm. I just really hadn't been taught that, so I really struggled to just exist. Wow. Um, yeah, and I got really depressed. 
Mm. And really, and that's just simply because you didn't feel you fit in. Yeah, I just didn't fit in at all. And yeah, and um, and you young. Yeah, young, and I was far away from home as well. And no one took you under their wing at the time. Any of the mm, older students? No. Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Okay, so academically the school was fine. Yeah, no, I loved my academics. I was a very studious person, so okay. that was like the way that I survived. So I would just pour myself into my studies. I would go into class. So that's a silver lining on that little dark cloud there then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I was a straight A student, so I would go into class, not talk to anyone, do my work, get out, do my homework. And you so know, you were the quiet girl in the class because every girl's, every class has got a quiet girl. Were you the quiet yes, girl? Yes, I sat up the back. The academic. And I didn't talk. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that's not because you didn't want to talk. It's not that you didn't want to interact or you didn't want to have a sense of belonging. It's just that you struggled to connect with the people. Yeah. I felt there was just a really big barrier between my the way I'd brought up, been brought up and, and the way they seemed to have been brought up in the city. And, and just, uh, yeah, I just felt like I really couldn't connect. So was people. it the connection not only coming from a farming community to a city community or was it also a disconnect in regards to your religious worldview versus their worldview yeah definitely i'd been brought up you know with your standard you know three hymns um okay and um yeah bible-based truth and everything mm. i'd gone through prophecy seminars oh, okay. as a as a kid like i'd been to the uh Oh, Jeff Yulden? Jeff Yulden, yeah. He'd okay. come over, baptized my brother, and he went through all the prophecy seminars. Like, I was really into, like, Bible studies and going to prayer meeting as a kid. Mm. Um, coming here, though, the church was so different. I just I couldn't fit in either. It was like a, a fashion-slash-music contest-slash-concert okay, type so of thing. a lot of focus on music. Yeah. And people were also dressing up to be noticed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It, it was very different for me, so I definitely felt like a fish out of water. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so both challenging and some good that comes out of your experience there mm, at, at the yeah. college. How long do you stay at the college as a student? Well, I stayed um, as as a boarding student yes. um, for six months because I actually got to the point where I wanted to commit suicide. Wow. Yeah, so I was really, really depressed and a really dark place, and mm. I didn't have anyone to turn to. So one night I was just... I just couldn't take it anymore. So I, I, and I, I can't believe I did this because this is the thing that no one thinks of doing. Mm. But in that moment, I texted my mom and I said, "Mom, I want to kill myself." And that is, a, I reckon, that's probably the only thing that really saved me at that point. Because if I hadn't reached out to her, yeah, no one would have so it was understood. A, it was a cry for help, but you were desperate and you had no. Mm reason to live anymore did you nothing at all because i didn't have and i think that's that's the thing there if i had had even just a hope in in god like something to hold on to i think i probably would have been okay in that moment but because i didn't even have even that i was just nothing i didn't were you a praying person at that time not really no. no. Were you doing any Bible study? Because your background, obviously, you knew some of the prophecies and bits yeah, and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like once I went to school, I just kind of, yeah, that life that kind of just... went by the side yeah. for the time being. Mm. Yeah. So that background sort of didn't make you fit in and at the moment. So you were you were still going through the ceremonies, I guess, the rounds of yeah. worship. There'd be worship regularly at Carmel College, I imagine. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have week of, of worship and everything. Yeah. So you were a cultural Christian at best, just going through the motions. Definitely, yeah. Right. 
I knew it wow. all. Wow, so this is a very low period, and you're only, what, maybe 13 years old? Yeah, 13. Oh, and uh, I guess that is a common thing where people uh, harass sometimes or bullied or they just don't fit in, whatever it is. Were you arrested, bullied at any stage through this period? Um, I'd say I probably did more of the bullying myself. As yeah. a 13-year-old? Well... Were the younger kids or people your age? or uh, Because I didn't really feel like I fit in when people would, you know, make... You know, when you're just joking around as, as a group and everything, yeah. I would make a very cutting remarks that really hurt people as a way to you know put up my walls and just protect myself wow. from getting hurt because I didn't want to get hurt so the the did people think you were a little bit nasty yeah the quiet nasty kid that the quiet nasty <laughs> kid the, the smart quiet nasty yeah. kids that if you went into a, a discussion or an argument you know you're going to get mowed down yeah basically by yeah words. they didn't want to really engage in i guess like in that in that respect, I kind of brought it on myself in the fact that even when people did want to reach out Connect to me as a to friend, you. I shut them down because you I was... You didn't want to get hurt. Yeah. Because you didn't know where this hurt. was going to go. Yeah. Yeah, and so nobody knew what was going inside, going on in your mind. No, not even my family, no. No, but externally there was a facade. Yeah. There was a quiet, strong facade and one that seemed to be uh, not care, concerned about people and not concerned about people liking you either. Yeah. You seemed to be quite independent. Yeah, I was, yeah. But God made us social creatures and social beings. Yeah. And uh, you had those needs. So what's the lesson out of this for all of us? So we cannot judge a book by its cover. We don't know what's going on in the mind. Definitely. The Bible says that no, we see the outward appearance, but the Lord knows the heart. Mm. And this is an example of that. So you reach out to your mum, one little text, what happens? Because you're saying that was a lifeline in a sense, something something happens to stop you from taking your own life. Yeah, so I don't know why she was awake at that time of night. It was around midnight. Wow. Um, and for some reason she was awake and she texted me about it and she was like, you know, what? What's happening? Please tell me. And she called me and I answered and I just cried. I couldn't speak to her or anything. And she said, I'm coming up. So, so she, where is she at the time? She, she's in Esperance, so seven, hours? seven hours away. Wow. So she drove literally the next night um, all the way to Perth with all the family. And they came and they, you know, rented out a house because it's a big family. So we have to rent a house whenever we go on holidays. Um, so she drove up that night and then the family came after that? Yeah. No, the family came with her. You all got packed in the car and you all, your yes. mum took off with the whole family? Yeah, all of the family got in the car. So at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning they get in the car and head off? Well, I'm not sure exactly what time they okay, headed off, sure. but they were there that day, like the next day next they day. were there. Wow, and you were taken out of the boarding school? So, yeah, so um, had a period of time where I stayed with my parents. Um, mm. I didn't really go to school at that point for, I think, for a week or so. Um, my brother, who was also boarding with me mm. um he was older so you know i, I kind of shoved him out of my life because i was like you know not cool to have siblings either yeah um yeah he also was struggling as well so um yeah mum pulled us out of boarding school and they sold the farm and moved up to perth so that i could have an education with su family support yeah and were you still going to carmel at the time yeah still going to carmel mm. And except for your mum and maybe your family, uh, did anybody else know about the struggles and the fact that you were uh, at the point of taking your own life? I think maybe the boarding parent because they had to, right? To you know know what was happening and what was going on. I think, but I didn't want to talk to them about it. Sure. I didn't really want to be vulnerable and, mm -hmm. and stuff. So, 
Yeah. Okay, so the family come up and support. That's a wonderful thing. Obviously, you can see that your mum cares very much about you, mm. that she's happy to transplant the family, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we had a we had a thousand-acre farm, mm. and Dad was, you know, he was productive, like had sheep and machinery, and we had a whole lifestyle down there. Like, mm. That was his business. He'd grown up there. So for him to give that up for our education yeah, wow. was... Now, like I didn't understand it and mm. I was pretty selfish back then and I didn't really care about it Yeah. but now that I think about it now well, was a big that, thing. Was, that was a big thing wow okay so uh, do you have anybody that provides support or talks you through any of these things like you know was there any counselling was there anything like that at all mm, no no not really I just I guess even though my mum and, and stuff had come up and everything I still wasn't ready to open up like I I'd, it was a cry for help but mm. it wasn't a cry for I guess understanding really what was happening in my life I think mm. it was more of a cry for like you know just get me out of this deep darkness and I guess once I'd kind of been lifted out of, out of that mire of misery and I had my family around me I felt like oh yeah everything's cool now Every, just, so you thought everything was fine yeah I th- thought just you know just go on with life now mm. So uh, subsequent to your family coming up there and now having family support, which mm. obviously is very important, um, are you a different person at school? No, still the same. Still the same person, quiet, yeah. silent achiever, and um, don't engage with me too much because I've got this wall yep. up between me and you. Mm-hmm. So how long does this last? Because, I mean, obviously you're a different person sitting in front of <laughs> me now. So um, how long do you keep on working through this process where you thought this was the best options for you when they yeah, obviously weren't um it was quite a while so halfway through year 10 that's when things started changing so at the start of year 10 it was that that year where you have to kind of decide are you going to do ATAR which is I'm not sure what you call it over here but it's mm. basically where you get you know all the high marks and everything right. to go to uni okay or you do general study mm. and um I was a really high achiever so I thought well they kind of expect me to do ATAR, but there was just there was just something that wasn't quite right about it. And I, um, yeah, through a series of events, I came to be friends with this this girl, um, and she was like the total opposite of me. And she was like really, really, really outgoing, and I was totally shy. She didn't care about rules or school, and I cared a lot about pleasing the teachers just being really good studious student mm. and um we came to be friends and the reason why we we were friends is because we'd both been brought up the same way um and it was oh, like okay. right back to my roots of hard-working um family that's just you know like a prayer-filled family that right down to the bible her um her dad was a pastor but she was struggling with the whole expectations put on her as a pastor's kid. Right. So she went rebellious, whereas I I was like um, the kid of a really, you know, devoted mum. But mm. I went the opposite way. I just went shut down. Right. So, yeah, we connected on our, on our upbringing. And so when we became friends, we kind of thought, well, there's got to be more than this, more to this than than just meets the eye. Like, there's got to be something more out there that's more fulfilling than just getting a job and, like, going through ATAR, killing yourself, trying to study, and then getting a job. And and I came to see more from her perspective. She came to see from more from mine. So we kind of made this tag team where we, like, 
um, just kind of did our own thing in school because we were like, you know, there's got to be more than just mm. school, work. Yes, yes. And then money, family. Okay. Some, there's something more. So you started and asking the, the purpose to life and yeah, what's the meaning of all, it all. You know, what's the reasons? Why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? There's All important questions. Yeah, yeah. And, and I realize now that what we were searching for was a relationship with Christ, but we had no idea. So right, we you were, had this longing in your heart. You had a desire for something better. You were trying to figure things out. Yeah. And uh, now you can see that that was really the longing that uh, God had placed in your heart yeah, exactly. for the connection with him. Hmm. Wow, Okay. So this is a little bit of a turning point now. This is year 10, halfway through year 10. Mm. And what happens as a consequence of this connection? Because obviously you bring it up for a reason. Yes, I am, yeah. So halfway through 10, it came to that decision, are we going to do ATA or are we going to do general? Mm. And so I did uh, about a month's worth of research of all these different careers, all these different um, colleges, all the different universities, what I needed to get to where and what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I was like determined I was going to be an architect. Okay. Yeah, so I loved design, I mm. loved mathematics, just, yeah, I just loved... That seemed to be the job that would uh, yeah. suit all those uh, attributes, good attributes yeah, exactly. that you have, yeah, yeah. character traits. Social mm. skills, not for me. Okay. People skills, no way. Right. Public speaking, nah. <laughs> and here you are speaking on a radio program. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. wow, now, uh, this is fascinating. Yeah, so um, I was, yeah, really just like, yeah, I just want a, you know, really good money-making career that I love, which is design and everything like that. Hmm. So I went and I did work experience for two weeks with a, a um, architectural firm. Okay. And I found out that um, you sit at a computer and click buttons all day. Right. Yeah, and I did not enjoy that. Ah, okay. Yeah. So your expectations weren't exactly met. Yes. So what you expected as you were considering this job and the – because sometimes we can sort of, uh, you know, develop in our mind all the positive attributes we think, and then when we get to the crunch and we see what it's really like, it's very, very different. Yeah. Well, you see all the pictures and and the videos online, and they have these amazing um, designs and everything and people walking through, and they portray architecture as, like, a person that's, you know, on the site, like, this needs to go here and that needs to go there and that's going to look amazing and, and like drawing because I really love sketching so like I was like yes I get to sketch mm. for, for a living and um, I found out that all you do is um, draw lines on the computer and um, yeah a lot, a lot of mathematics which is cool but still it wasn't it wasn't for me and because I was still searching for something more something more fulfilling in my life I just felt like this wasn't going to do it Okay, so obviously you started then looking at other alternatives. But uh, we've just come to the end of the first half of our program. we just got to take a short break here. So, dear listeners, stay with us and we'll find out where Rachel ended up after she discovered that architecture wasn't for her. Stay tuned. I was preaching in a communist country when government representatives had my microphone turned off while I was speaking. There would be no preaching allowed. Someone had decided to question the permit that had been issued and interpret that in a certain way, which meant the conference I was speaking at couldn't go on. If you run the country, you get to make the rules. But think about that. A permit in order to preach? Government officials deciding what you can and cannot say about religion? If you don't live in a place like that, I encourage you to thank God for the freedoms that you enjoy. If you have freedom to worship how you choose, that's a blessing. Many have died because they didn't have that privilege. 
Now, I say privilege, but most people would consider that a right, a basic fundamental right, although in many places, it isn't a right. Now, I'm guessing that regardless of where you live, you probably think your government isn't perfect. Now, I'm grateful to live in a place where I can worship freely, where I can believe what I want to believe and express my beliefs without fear, and where I can disagree with someone knowing I'm not going to end up in prison as a result. But real freedom, the truest freedom, isn't found only in being able to say or think what you please. There are a lot of people in free countries who are in slavery to sin, to habits that are destroying relationships and even their lives. The truest freedom is found in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I know many people who've lived under oppressive regimes forced to hide their faith and worship secretly, but they were free because the Holy Spirit had brought into their lives the personal presence of Jesus. As you celebrate freedom, thank God for the freedom He gives you in Jesus. If the Son of God makes you free, you are free indeed. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. Dear listener, thank you for staying with us here on By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Rachel Lowe. Now, Rachel, just before the break, you were telling us that you were now in year 10. It's a year where there's a lot of tests done. There's a year where you get to get some practical experience. You want to become an architect because you are good at drawing, so you're quite artistic. And also you were good at mathematics, and you thought that these two would complement, and this would be a natural uh, outflow of that that you'll get to your architecture uh, yes, yeah. career of sorts. Now you get there, you tell us that uh, you're sitting in front of a computer pressing buttons and clicking on things and this was nothing that you had expected and it didn't really enthuse you that much. No. Of course some people would love that but it just doesn't work for you. Yeah. So what happened subsequent to this? So um, yeah, I decided well, there's got to be something more out there. Mm. So I d- took a really, really big leap of faith mm. and I dropped out of school. Yes. At year 10? Yes. Halfway through year 10, I dropped out of school and I um, enrolled in homeschooling. Ah, uh, okay. So you're still doing schooling. Yeah, no, okay. no. Right. Yeah. I didn't completely drop out. Yeah. I still liked my academics. But mm. but yeah, so I decided that there's got to be a different method to getting where I want to be. I still wanted to be an architect um, in some sense or maybe a graphic designer, but I thought... Okay. But graphic design makes sense. Yeah, yeah, graphic design was a little bit more you know, interactive with the whole design process, a mm. little less just drawing lines. Right. Yeah. So um, me and my best friend, the friend I was talking about before, yes. we decided to drop out of school. And we, the the result was a lot of negative comments by the teachers. Sure. Which I was very shocked at because, uh, I mean, I guess it was justified because I was their top student and, and um, they thought that maybe my friend was influencing me um, in a bad way. Right. And they, um, yeah, one of the comments was, you know, you don't want to burn your bridges. And it makes sense. You don't Mm. want to just completely shut down all your opportunities and your bridges in life. Mm. But, um, yeah, I'd really thought about it. And I really wanted to to see if there was another way I could get to where I wanted to be without having to go through the the normal process of schooling. Wow. Okay. And uh, how did your parents feel about this? My mum said that she had been praying for about it since the start of the year. Oh. Yes. Because I was killing myself in study. I got sick regularly, hmm. um, burnt out. 
Um, I got to the point where I would be up till midnight doing my assignments to perfection. I got 100% on most of my assignments because I just did them. Because you were putting the time and the energy yeah. into it. Yeah, exactly. Because there's not a big social life except for one friend. So yeah, I, I literally did not have a social life. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, apart from church, I didn't really do social stuff. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just didn't really feel like it was a necessary part of my life, so I just poured into my studies. And I think it was a way of getting my needs met in a different way, if you know what I mean. Like achievement sure. was very, very high for me. Yeah. If I got a B... Because your identity was wrapped yeah, up in that achievement. Achievement was everything for me. So mm. if I got a B, I would literally be devastated. I would burst into tears and I... If you didn't get an A. If I didn't get an A. So you're a little bit of a perfectionist? I was, yeah. Or was that just because of you know everything that had happened and you were um, lonely in a sense... Um, that this was the way that you could express yourself and then create a it was the way a, I got, a, a personal brand yeah. of sorts. So you were known by this and I you was could known, keep your head high yeah. because you were such a, a great it was, a student. It was my identity. It was what I was known for. Hmm. And it was it was the way I got recognized. So people would actually come up and be like, wow, you're so amazing. You're so talented. You know, Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? You're so smart. And, and would you help people? Yeah, I'd help people Okay, usually. And how did that feel? Yeah, I loved it. I honestly loved probably more than doing the work itself. I loved actually teaching people how to do it. Okay. Which was which is interesting because that comes up a bit later in my story. Mm. Um, but yeah, so when I dropped out, I um, they put me in year twelve because my scores were apparently really high. So you leap you you, you halfway roughly halfway through year ten. Yep. You skip year eleven and you go straight to year twelve. Straight to year twelve. And Whoa. yeah. And what did you think about that? I was excited. You were excited? Yeah, because I'm But doesn't a, the pressure mount even more once you well, get into it? It does, but because I wasn't doing ATAR or anything like that, it wasn't really extreme. Okay. Like the maths was really, really intense, but the mm. rest of it was really cool. Um, and I'd always felt like I had been held back in school. Like they right. made me – like I um, in year seven, they, they put me in the next year of maths and everything. Mm. But then the next year, my teacher made me do the same – year of maths all over again. Oh, that would be very boring. And he said, well, you, you'll know how to do it, you know, and I got 100% in every single test. Wow. So I felt like that was a little bit useless. Mm. And so I felt really, really held back in okay, my Okay, so it wasn't only the fact that you wanted a reputation as a 100% student, as in getting 100% scores, you also wanted to have growth and you didn't yeah. want to waste your time. I, I hated wasting my time on unnecessary things, and I felt like most of the students in my class, like this is a very negative view, but I felt yeah. like they were a waste holding of time and, and holding me back. And, um, yeah, I just didn't really enjoy the whole schooling process. So I kind of wanted to find a way to fast-track my education without mm. without losing okay. the so, education. Thank you for explaining that because that makes the more sense now, uh, the decision that you made. Yeah. You weren't actually planning on throwing away your no. life. You were actually looking at fast-tracking it a bit and being more efficient yep. and getting where you wanted to go more efficiently and faster, mm -hmm. basically. Definitely. Okay, so where are you going? I mean, it's not necessarily um, architecture. It's something else. Yeah, that's interesting. Compared to what I'm doing now, it's very different. Hmm. So when I dropped out, is very interesting because my friend actually gave me her Kindle, which is like a thing that you can read books on. And yes. um, one of the books I was reading because I was – an avid reader. I loved reading, and the book was um, the. It's like a fiction um, story of the Book of David. Oh, okay. Um, well, not the Book of David, but the story of David. Story of David. Yeah. 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 So, um, and something that really, really inspired me 
in that story was the fact that whenever he consulted God before he made a decision, the consequences were positive. Whenever he failed to um, follow God's leading or consult God before he went anywhere or did anything, the consequences were negative. Wow. So someone's taken the truths of the Bible and have turned into a novel. Yeah. Okay, so based on the truth, mm-hmm. but this has an impact on you. And you see the mm-hmm. principle there of seeking God's will and following his will versus doing your own thing. Mm. And you see the consequences portrayed in the life yep. of David. Yeah, so this is when... Great um, moral principle. This is definitely when God really started to become real for me. Mm. So I started to think, wow, so, okay, so if we consult God and we really involve God into our life our life is going to be that much more fulfilling and this is like the fulfillment that I'd been looking for Hmm. and then she'd also said oh once you've finished that read this other book and um, she she knew what was in the book and she wanted me to read it for a particular reason Um, but I had no idea that you know she was trying to get me to like really have a relationship with Christ um, yeah, because she was definitely much more on that page than me. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, I read this book, and it's called When God Writes Your Love Story. And it really intrigued me because it always seemed as if there was either two options in the church, follow the church's leading and have a, a miserable love life or follow your own leading and have a really fun relationship, marriage, that type of thing. Okay, right, right. So what you saw, uh, the, the, the church was giving you an option, which is principled, yep. but you thought it would lead to misery. Yep. And then if you follow the world, you think it would lead to love and happiness. Exactly. Wow, yep. okay. It was a very, um, yeah, different view to what God actually, the view that um, yeah, God really wants us to have. Hmm. And so this book really intrigued me because I was like, wow, I've never actually thought about what what is God's view on this? Wow. And so this, yeah, because I, I'd been involved in numerous relationships in, in school, and I guess that was my social life mm. in terms of um, the way I actually would connect with people. And, um, yeah, I guess there were quite negative influences on my life as well. And, um, yeah, so this this was like a very big turning point for me right. because I read that book, and the one thing it no, the two things it really brought out was number one was relationship with Christ um, prepares you for a relationship with someone else. So if you haven't got that relationship down to pack with Christ, you're never able to love someone else because you don't love Christ because true love comes from Christ. Okay. And then the other one was surrender. Mm. So that whole, in the story of Dave, that whole trusting God and making decisions that align with God's will. And so that night, once I finished that book, I got down on my knees and I surrendered all these different areas of my life to Christ. Wow. Now, how old are you when you do this? 16. 16. Incredible. So that's really the day, the night that changed your life going that, forward. It, it is, yeah. That's, that's your point of conversion, basically. Yeah. Remarkable. And mm. you saw it all that clearly and realized it's by surrender and seeking God's will. Mm. Definitely, yeah. and, you, and, and a new life began for you at that oh, time. It 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 just shot off from there. Wow. Yeah. So ever since then, I have been learning and growing. So, but there's more to the story yet. There's a bit mm. more because I, I had a bit of a uh, low dip in in my sure, Christian walk happen. as well. Yes. Yeah. So um, for the next you know six months, I fast tracked even 
the fast tracking and I did my year 12 in six months. Um, Incredible. Because <laughs> I just couldn't wait. But yeah, and um, I was really, you know, searching for what I wanted to be in life and I ended up, we ended up moving to Karratha, which is a tiny town. Mm. And the church is t- uh, tiny and dead spiritually um, as well as membership wise. Mm. And um, I just got like thrown into all these different positions in the church because, well. Because you're spiritually on fire now. You've met the Lord. Yeah, and exactly. You, and because, you have a living relationship with Yeah, him. because I'd started to trust God and mm. they really could see that. So I got thrown in all these different positions. And at that time, I was searching for what do I want to do in life? What do I love? And I found out that I loved being involved in the church. Wow, okay. Yeah, so I loved taking Sabbath school. I loved preaching. I loved kids. I loved going door to door. I loved it, just loved it so much. And then I decided that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I said, like, I thought of all these different things of how I could involve God into a career Hmm. to try and involve that aspect of fulfillment into a career. But I just figured, why not just have serving God as my career. Okay. So I decided that whenever someone asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, serve God. Because I had no idea how it was going to take shape. I just said, I'm just going to serve God. So, yeah, I pretty much had determined that I was going to be a missionary of some sort or something involved in ministry. But there was some things that I had vowed I would never, ever do. Number one, never preach a sermon. Okay. And number two... And Never. the reason for that is because you were an introvert? Oh, I hated public speaking. Okay. Yeah. So all these positions that just Church and Karatha had given you, were they uh, behind the scenes? Uh, no, no, unfortunately. You had to get up in front of people and talk? Yes. But it's only a handful of people? handful of people, but the, the only reason why I was able to talk to them was because I had this burning relationship with Christ. And so the it love just, of God it compelled just you, as yeah, it says. Yeah. literally just flowed out of me. Like, I couldn't stop it. And all of a sudden, I was interacting with people socially just on fire, and I just was really trying to, you know, empathize with people. And Where'd that come from? Because the other lady that you introduced in the first half of the program was one that would cut people down. and yeah, Yes. A completely different person. Wow. Did you like the new person? Yes. Happier person. Yes. Because you were connecting with the source yeah. of all love and joy. I was finding fulfillment, joy, and peace because peace. I trusted God. It was what? something yes. that I'd never had in my childhood, peace. Just just to know that whatever I went through, mm. I just it was okay. And, um, yeah, so I, I vowed I would never study theology, never work for the church, Never, ever go to New South Wales. And when did you make this uh, this little pledge of yours? Was this before was, or after you? Oh, this was, this was probably in the process of, of my career changes, like my ideas of what I was okay. going to do, because I was searching for something, but I was really resisting what God was leading me to. I was like, mm. no, never, ever, never doing that. I ended up preaching, ended up um, studying a diploma in ministry the next year. Wow. And now I'm working for the church, <laughs> which is really like I'm not working w- um, for them as such, but I'm working yeah, yeah. with other team members. Yeah, yeah, you're planting working a church. Something that's sanctioned by the church. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, when I went um, to 
um, studying my diploma in ministry, I was at a uh, non-denominational college because that's all we have over in WA because I'd vowed mm. I'd never come to South, New South Wales. Right. Um, <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, um, and I think at first I was very aware of the differences in the theology and I just really wanted to learn how to study the Bible and that was something they were really, really good at. Mm. I must commend them on that. But the theology was very different. Sure. Um, and so I also was really trying to um, invest in other people's lives. So I found myself almost sympathizing with them too much in the point that I would actually change my views to meet theirs, if okay. you know what I mean. Right, right. So I got involved in a, a relationship because that was had been like a downfall all my life, you know, relationships and everything. So I got involved in a relationship with a, with a guy that was not necessarily... Uh, he was Seventh Day Adventist in name, but his theological standpoints were very. Not really Seventh Day Adventist. They were very, fr- like a free thinking kind of mm. thing, like mm-hmm. very open. Um, so I didn't notice it, but it was like day by day, just little, little bits of the foundation that I had established in the previous year mm. were just being chipped away at. What was that foundation based on? You it established was based in the on the Bible, mm-hmm. trusting God, and. Yeah, I reckon like a lot of faith, just exercising that faith. Trusting God, yeah. So yeah. reading the Word and trusting what yeah. the Word says. And yeah. prayer, definitely. And expecting God to do, do yeah, exactly what He said yeah, He would be and, and who service. He is. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay, yeah. good. Mm. Right. So um, this is a challenge for you because obviously it sounds like the relationship with the Lord potentially can be impacted by this. Yeah. So and is it impacted somewhat? Yeah, it was very much impacted. Um, yeah, well, something my mum has always said is that, um, yeah, who you marry kind of determines where you are, you go in life. So. Okay, so you knew that principle. Your mum told I, you about oh, it. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. But I didn't want to know it. Right. Um, and I was very determined that this was the one and mm. that this this was right yes and um i guess you could say love is blind so mm. i was very blind to the red flags okay. i saw them but i didn't want anything to do yeah. with them i didn't mm. want to deal with them mm. um yeah so i ended up in a really dark place to the point where i had no joy i lost all joy lost your I, peace as well i could barely even smile to people like when I went, I used to be like so involved in, in ministry and, and like serving people. Mm. I went to a church camp for, with the youth. I just, I couldn't smile. I couldn't interact. I just had no joy. And I was just, I just felt like really dead, like, mm. like spiritually, emotionally dead. Wow. And how long did it take for your joy to be eroded to this it point? took about three three or four months. Okay, Not because long. it can happen very fast. The reason I ask that, sometimes people think it takes so long, and each person's story is different, but by nature we have a fallen egocentric nature, yeah. which is contrary to God's law. Now the law is based on agape love, self-sacrificing love, and when we allow ourselves and we get distracted, sometimes we don't even see it. Mm. Many devices the devil has to make sinners out of saints. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that can happen sometimes in weeks and months, and yours was a matter of three or four months. Yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah, it was like uh, almost like I was spinning out of control. But I thought I was going straight ahead, and and um, well, you probably see it better now in hindsight. But at oh, the yeah, time, definitely. it probably didn't. Oh no, I just I thought I was doing fine. 
Mm. You know, and and my ideas of serving God got less and less about just serving God and more about making money and and finding a career path and involving God into career. So, so okay. it, it fitting God went, into your plans rather than fitting, yes. seeking yeah. God's will and then fitting into that. So I, I didn't realize how much his standpoints on things were really influencing mine. Okay. So it was, it was very unequally yoked, if you know what I mean. Sure, so, sure. I understand. Um, yeah, and um, my mum actually called me up and she said, I've got this amazing thing. I want you to go to music camp. And... I was like, no. You know, um, so music camp is run by Eastwood Missions. Yes, yeah. And um, it's a camp where all these like-minded um, young people get together and they create music and then do literature evangelism as well. Mm. And I, I looked on, on their site and I'd heard a bit about them and I said, no way. You will never find me there. I'm not going. And she was very disappointed because she'd prayed about this for ages and she said, this is what Rachel needs. She needs to go to music camp. Mm. And, um, Were you a, a musician? Oh yeah, I love I love music. I can't say I'm a musician as such. You sing? Yeah, sing and play a few instruments, but not okay. to the standard of an orchestra. But right. Yeah, I definitely loved music. Okay, good, yeah. good. I yeah. didn't know about that, so okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was determined I wasn't going to go, and um, Mum was determined that I needed to end the relationship with the guy, and I was determined not to. And there was this real strong period of me wrestling with God, but not in the way that you're supposed to wrestle with God. Mm. It was more of a resistance. resistance. Yeah. Yeah. So I I had periods of time where I was like, yep, I'm going to end it. I'm going to end it. And then periods of time where I was like, oh, I can't do this. No, I just, yeah, just can't do it. And then, yeah, it was just a real turning point for me when my, my brother, who had never been really on fire for Christ, he started talking to me and he was like very worldly for a little bit. Hmm. Is this your older brother? Yeah, just, yeah, hmm. older brother. He was, yeah, because he, he was very involved in his career and everything like that. He started praying for me and he he could see where I was going and he started talking to me and pleading with me and begging me to um, change up what I was doing. Hmm. And that for me was like, whoa. Like that was that was big for me. So, yeah. and my my sister was what praying for me. What did your relationship been with your brother like? It was it time? was strained because I I was born when he was like one or something. So I'd always been there, and he he felt like I was a rival. So it was always me and him arguing, and okay. and I got on his nerves. He got on my nerves. It was not a good relationship. Good sure. I, I looked up to him, but I just couldn't get along with him. Hmm. Yeah. So he started praying for me. My sister started praying for me. My mum started praying for me. My mum's friends started praying for me. My best friend started praying for me. Because I'd seen where you'd been uh, in your walk with the Lord when, yeah. you, when you met this beautiful relationship, this pearl of great price, so to speak. Yeah. And then you'd uh, been distracted and sort of slipped away. Yeah, exactly. Mm. They, they'd, seen, they'd seen the journey and the difference, and they saw where I was at compared to where I had been yeah. and the joy that I'd had before and how I hadn't had any joy. And they prayed for me. And... I tried to end it myself and then I ended it before music camp and I started the process of healing and trying to just really get back on track, but I still felt like I just couldn't get back to where I was before. Hmm. Like I felt like I'd lost it and I would never gain it back again. So what convinced you to actually break or sever the relationship? Because I've just found when I've dealt with people 
logically people sometimes can see things and as they get involved more emotionally the logic goes out the door because the heart is stronger than the mind and what happens is the emotions then control what they decide and logic and reason even principle can mm. depart very quickly because it's all about how they feel and if it feels good it must be good yeah it was is hard. it just the influence of your of your family and your no, mom no it was i literally went home and i just I just cried it out, and God was saying, "Do you trust me?" And this so God is, was still speaking to yeah, you, was, you know, through your mind. It, and, yeah. it was. I felt like I couldn't really hear God. Like God was really distant during mm. this time. But during that moment where I was like, "I really need to do this," God said, "Do you trust me?" Mm. And all throughout my life, I'd heard Him saying, "Do you trust me? Do you trust me?" And now He was saying, "Do you trust me with this? Do you trust that I have something better for you?" that you can end this and that you can have a walk with me and a walk with someone else and it doesn't have to be this person. Yeah. And and so I surrendered that night very reluctantly, but I surrendered. And yeah, I yeah, started that process of healing. Okay, so did you break it off and then surrender or surrender and then break it off? I surrendered then I broke it off. Okay, so God empowered you. Yes. Okay. Uh, it was that not explains my it because I typically find that people go the other way. Because emotions are so powerful. So praise, yeah. praise God. You made a very important decision. Yeah. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't. So I'm, I'm mm. very grateful for that. And, um, yeah, so I, I was, you know, slowly gaining back my relationship with my parents because I'd cut that off. Um, and I went to music camp and it was just so different. I was a counsellor there, so I was put in a position of leadership. So I had to kind of shepherd these these younger girls that didn't really have a walk with God mm. when I myself had literally just been through a really really tough spot so wow. it was really hard mm. but the the people were so supportive my co-counselor was so supportive and and I got rebaptized like um Bruce one of the um uh, Bruce, other yeah, team members the, yeah that I'm working with yeah. now he's, he's yeah, shared he, his testimony here as well previously. yeah yeah he mm. he did a series of talks and everything and I felt conviction and everything but I was just like no nah, it's not, I've already been baptized like I don't need to be baptized again mm. like you can't you know I've re- I'm already a Christian I've already you know I, I don't need to be baptized so every time he made a call I would I didn't know what to do so I just sat there and then on the last night I just I could not like I was just being tormented by like I knew what I had to do mm. and my sister was in the audience as well and she knew what she had to do as well and when he said those who want to get baptized commit them their life to God I sat there and then he said those who want to get rebaptized instantly I just got up and, wow. my, and my sister got up at the same time and um, yeah we walked to the front in tears we didn't know each other had gone up there until we got up there and, and we both said to each other, said, I couldn't stay sitting. I had to get up. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was just. Praise God. Wow. What a wonderful testimony. And if I'm thinking the right thing here, we're talking about a camp that only happened a few months ago. Yes. Praise God. And yeah. then subsequent to that, you feel that God is calling you back to what your original intention was to serve him. Yes. That was your word, serve yes, him. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I, yeah, from then on, I just really started to find my walk with God again. So um, Emmanuel and Lisa, the church plant leaders, they started to say, oh, you know, I know you would love to do this. And and I said, that's what I want to do. I'd previously seen the church plant uh, thing on Facebook um, mm. previously, and I'd um, 
said I would really want to do that, but I didn't think it was possible and I was in that darkest moment, so I didn't think sure, that was Sure, at the time it wasn't plan. right, yeah. Yeah, but I started to think, wow, I really love to do this. Like, I really need that change in my life where I can really put all my life into serving God. And, um, yeah, so th- that's where I am now. Praise God. Thank you. We've gone full circle from where we started, the beginning of the program, to going through your whole life journey. And wow, what a journey that was. Thank you so much for making yourself vulnerable and sharing with us. Dear listener, we're just going to share our contact details with you here. Please stay tuned and we'll wrap it up right after that. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, you're listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio has been Rachel Lowe. Rachel, what an incredible story and uh, just a... A testimony to God's leading in spite of where you've gone, where you found yourself, and even recognizing distractions, but always coming back to the point when you make that surrender to the Lord, you're unable to do the right things, and your joy and your peace and that love for God and fellow man returns as well. And uh, for somebody that's an introvert, uh, God has uh, changed it around because you, because you care for God and God's put his love in your heart, you now care for others. Now, if some people are going through a tough time at the moment as well, you know, they may know the right thing to do, but they just don't feel they can connect with God. They don't see there's any joy there. They think the world will offer them joy, but not totally satisfied. What words of encouragement can you give them? I would definitely say that you, in order to be able to do the right thing and to trust God, that you really need to discover his character. So really just absorb yourself in in really finding out who God is Mm. because for instance, if you don't know that God is loving, you're not going to consider that he actually really cares about your future sure. and, and where you are in life and he cares about your joy and satisfaction. And if you're really looking for joy and satisfaction, you're not going to find it in the world. I've been there. I, I've I've experienced the lack of joy mm. in doing my own thing, running my own life the way I wanted to run it, and it provides no satisfaction. Right. And, yeah, joy, just it's only found in Christ. Amen. And, you know, uh, God is the most misunderstood person on planet Earth. And we know that the devil's got all his propaganda out there misrepresenting God. Most people, even in the church, don't really understand what God is really like, that he is our provider. He's our sustainer. Every moment that we breathe is an indication that God is keeping us alive, ultimately wanting that relationship with us. So thank you for coming to share your beautiful testimony. It's a miracle of God. And dear listener, we pray that God will perform that same miracle he desires for your life as well. Seek his will. Ask him to help you. Even if you're not willing, ask him. Just say, Lord, I'm willing to be made willing. And God will not uh, disappoint you. Thank you for joining us here today on By the Word of the Testimony. We look forward to catching up with you next time. God bless. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.